0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain, and I'm Mark Derrickett. and I'm James Bergen. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you both here. Great to be back. Great to be here. Now we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Mark, because you've
1: been on before but uh, on rem- a rem- remind people where you fit into the world of tech in uh, New Zealand I uh, co-run the uh, illegal argument uh, development podcast uh, developer for SMX New Zealand um, and many yeah, other things and many other things open source developer general geek inventor of one of the first podcatching clients <laughs> so we we're discuss- just discussing yes cool I only had about five users but hey
2: and James yeah, where do you fit in well I, i'm uh, where do I fit in i 'm a general geek as well i guess i 'd classify myself as that and i 'm the chief architect for a um, relatively large tech company that 's licensed and trusted to provide financial services, also known as ASB Bank for um, for those who are a little bit more old school, but <laughs> so I head up the um, architecture team over there, so that 's uh, all the architects that don 't involve uh, uh the buildings um that's that's pretty much my role and some of the, the technology strategy and um increasingly some of our innovation stuff as well sounds like a lot of fun it is it is having lots of fun down there cool
0: all right well let's uh, let's jump straight in first up we hear that uh streaming video is uh, soon set to surpass uh network tv sort of watching is that any surprise to anybody i mean it must must be uh, must have the likes of sky t v you know feeling somewhat uncomfortable
1: at the moment I oh, definitely would have thought uh non broadcast but not necessarily streaming, but uh as we've had much more i guess cheaper and faster and more easily accessible high speed internet here and actually getting streaming services yeah
2: i think I think that's quite a key thing, right having the streaming services natively in New Zealand, so you don't have to be you know, a geek in order to get netflix for example
1: well n- not even not necessarily a geek it's just that it's now a legal option <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, yeah. I know plenty of people who aren't necessarily geeks who have had things set up and they just they just watch content they don't know how it where it's come from where it yeah. comes from but they don't need to be geeks to actually do that
2: but i think that you i think you're right i think the increase of high-speed broadband the increase also of devices to play it on and i think about you know the number of friends and family i have that have that have actually got smart tvs with apps that have like youtube that they use a lot or netflix um and then also the launch of some of the local providers like i quite enjoy watching suits on on lightbox and you know i think there's been a lot more options coming forward so i'm not too surprised to hear that it's gonna it's an inevitability it's just a question of when
1: i guess the the bigger question is how was the the incumbents i guess Going to actually resolve mm. and stay viable
0: yeah I mean certainly I would be a bit cautious about having an investment in Sky at the moment, but uh, I mean that 's just the nature of of any of these companies whose business model is getting you know uh, pummeled by you know technology changes mm. and you know I think the, the nature of probably most businesses now is they've they 've got to you know constantly be trying to figure out. Uh, you know, how to stay ahead of the curve that, um, you know, they're at the sort of front end of it rather than sort of following behind. But, yeah, the likes of Sky have have a challenge in terms of their revenue base comes from a, a more traditional model and they don't want to let that go too soon. But, you know, then they've got that case where lots and lots of us just don't have a Sky subscription anymore. They came knocking on my door the other day, had a salesperson in the area willing to do a special offer and they would for under fifty dollars a month they'd give me a you know plan with uh, Without sport. You know, a couple know a sport package and a movie package and and so on and all I had to do was be committed for six months not a lot of money in the scheme of it you know less than half the price of what you would usually pay uh, and you could keep that low price for twelve months but you know when when I thought about it I thought well I've actually got enough content to to watch anyway as it is and so um, i've said no thank you uh and you know other people talking to saying well after
2: the after the rugby world cup we'll uh, we'll ditch it can... we'll ditch it yeah, yeah. so hmm. i mean we we've found i think the move started when people started wanting to watch the content they wanted to watch on their terms so rather than tuning in at seven thirty to watch the show you know you started back in the day you know vcrs and whatnot but obviously with tivo and then you know and my sky and those kind of you know having more control um, of when you watch what you want to watch, the natural extension from that was then. Well, if it's just a, a <laughs> it's just a media file sitting on a box over here, rather than doing that, if I can have a service which is going to give me the same, in other words, my choice when I want it, um, why not? Why not go that way? And as you say, it works out being a lot more cost effective in many cases than, uh, than a full all you can eat subscription.
1: E- even going slightly different, than the VC- the in air quote VCRs with a hard drive. Mm like um some of the some of those players where you could actually you set your pre-record and now i've got like every single episode from the last six weeks that i've missed of a certain show you can start binge watching so that kind of led the the layperson into knowing about time delayed shows where it's on demand it's Mm. when i want it and but i still have to wait until next week for the next episode oh no it's available now ah
2: And it's starting to – what I think is really interesting, you're saying, Paul, in terms of the the business models for the incumbents, but it's also looking into business models which increasingly don't make a lot of sense when you don't have the same geographic boundaries. So you think about the challenges I know around the time of – obviously with with Lightbox, with what Lightbox was was, uh, offering, and people were trying to figure out where – the next episode of um, the next series of House of Cards was going to end up and was it with Netflix or was it going to move who's going to have it and who's got the licenses for it and then you had the Sky play as well and you sort of left with this question mark around why is there a difference between the shows when they're released in the States or in the UK before they're released here now we know for commercial reasons why they are but that model is looking increasingly redundant in a world where it's just bits and the bits can get there so quick
0: yeah um, but, you know, it's affordable to have a subscription to one, two, three services as an alternative to Sky and, you know, still be reasonably priced. Of course, we've got sport and some other things sort of, you know, sit around the edges. But, you yeah, know, people are increasingly finding uh, alternative methods for accessing that content, be them legal or otherwise. I, I sometimes look at this and sort of compare it to, you know, Microsoft, who were trying to hold on to sort of people having licenses for microsoft office and not moving their systems into the cloud when google were boots and all in uh with google apps and microsoft were just so far behind on that and the interesting thing there was microsoft got it somewhere along the way and just kept throwing more and more and more investment at it and 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 so on to the point you know now when you look at their uh their capability you know as a company that was very old school, they seem to be getting it in terms of delivering a really good and a really capable cloud-based product. To the point where you know you could say, in many regards, they're well ahead of Google and some you know in some places with those uh, those cloud-based offerings. And I just wonder, what could Sky have done differently if we were to sort of turn back the clock now? And, of course, there's a lot of what-ifs in there, but I think they've just moved a, you know, way too slow on a bunch of things. And if their, their pace isn't right now, which I, I certainly hope it is for, uh, for New Zealand's sake and certainly for their shareholders' sake, <laughs> that they've kind of got all the right pieces in there, that you know, going forward they'll be much, much more nimble and,
2: and, and geared up. Because they different they have um, the Ice Sky and Neon, and so that you can see them trying to get into this market. But mm. the ch- the challenge obviously must be for them around how much of their existing incumbent business model is 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 what they know compared to this. And you go, oh gosh, I mean another another area that would we'll be looking at it and scratching their heads. I think with with similar um, concern would be the advertising industry because you're you're at the point where you're. You know, how long has it been since you last sat down and watched an ad in real time? You know, you're probably fast forwarding because your time shifted anyway. And now you're and now you're seeing, um, you know, ad companies and, and large organisations saying there's got to be other ways for me to get my messages about my products out to customers product than product placement. Exactly, exactly. Right, <laughs> you're seeing it again and again and again. Yeah. All right, on to other subjects.
0: Uh Google and Microsoft have sort of, you know, been at each other and and competing. We were just talking about them before with with their uh, office apps and cloud-based email and so on. Just last week they've signed this uh, this new agreement around their uh patents and so on. No doubt a lot more behind the scenes around that. And you know, overnight from when we we're recording this, Microsoft have a big announcement, and it's it's rumoured that Google will will be a part of uh, of that announcement too. Of course, Microsoft were involved in, in Apple's recent announcement with the the iPad Pro. So these bigger companies are uh, are starting to work out their differences to a degree in some some areas. Mark, what are your thoughts on uh, on Google and Microsoft sort of putting aside their uh, their litigation and uh, looking as though they're somewhat closer is this just to save all the money that they
1: would uh, be throwing down a a hole on um legal fees i'm not sure i mean i think i mean they they kind of they bought nokia they did the lumias then kind of nokia kind of stopped and then nokia were, were going to do an android phone not and now microsoft are doing android apps they've got their lock screen cortana's going to android so the fact that they're kind of gearing up to doing a lot more Android stuff I think that alone is going to be kind of like ah, we need to have, settle our fights if we're going to play in your playground well we can't be saying we're going to sue you and play in your ground but the, the thought I just had was maybe next year we might see a, a, a Microsoft Nexus whether we'll actually see that kind of completely cross over and finally get a Nexus Lumia or that kind of thing and maybe Microsoft are going actually apple is who we should be fighting we need to settle with google and be nice
0: but they've just buddied up Been on you know they've had ongoing things with apple and they helped them launch the ipad pro a few days ago
1: yeah they might just be being cozying up just be admitting defeat for all of microsoft phone maybe is the announcement we are going full android we're getting rid of windows mobile welcome to windows 10 android Mm, not from
0: what we hear no. about the announcements, and by the time most people are listening to this, yes. those, you know those things will will be online around. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's presumably as uh, you know a Surface Pro four and uh, new new Lumia, new, yeah. new uh, you know uh, Lumia uh, Windows Mobile uh, ten handsets and and but, so on.
1: I mean, I haven't really followed Windows ten too much. I, I know they announced that they could run Android apps through some kind of compatibility layer. So whether that's also what they're co up to Google for and part of the announcement tomorrow might actually be a nice marshmallow windows gooeyness and whether sticky <laughs> it, well I mean it's patents it's always kind of messy and i it's one of those areas where i think it's i think i'll leave the lawyers to discuss it really
0: mm. yeah i mean it's, it's certainly good to sort of yeah, cut that legal side out of it and yeah, bring these companies a little bit closer together, and that's you know what I hope is that the I don't know co-opetition or whatever we we call these things competing um, implementation, not you know legal. We brings out some uh, some better results because some things have just been too slow moving, and uh, having them each at each other's throats isn't uh, isn't helpful for anyone. I don't think, mm. more other than the legal fraternity.
2: I mean, I think I think obviously when organisations are spending tens of millions of dollars investing in the intellectual property, they want to defend that property and that makes uh, that makes sense. But when you get to this sort of mutually assured destruction of I have my patent armaments and you have yours and and we'll just sort of hope that we're not going to wipe each other out or threaten that we will. And the amount of time and money that is diverted to that as opposed to diverted to innovation, you know, taken away from things that are going to benefit customers, when you see, and these stories do come, they don't come that often, but they do they do come, I, I think it's a win for the consumer. It's basically saying we're going to park this now. We've, we've had our little conversation and our dust-up and the lawyers have all been paid and uh, we're now going to get back to what we're here to do, which is to offer our customers you know, software and hardware that's, that's going to add value to them.
0: Is there, is there going to be true peace or is this like peace in the Middle East? Is it something that is easier said than done?
1: I, I suspect it's also a continuation of the whole new direction and face of Microsoft with opening sourcing dot .NET, .NET core, and working with say the Mono team, and maybe we might get an official .NET for Android. So actually, having a little bit more of a of a blessed rather than just Xamarin directly cross porting to Android, something that's actually Getting far too technical. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> I
2: think, but I, I think that it, I, I think that if it's a company
1: put, name, it's not a technical term. <laughs> I, don't.
2: I think if they're putting their their guns back in the holsters so they're basically saying we still have the patents we still have the ability to you know we could if we wanted to but let's just agree that you could as well so let's just kind of call it a day because to the point around cooperation um, and co-innovation you know the reality is if you are using a a, a Windows uh, phone you want to be able to use Google as well as bing you know you want to go to use google so they've got to exist they've got to coexist inside the ecosystem they can't wipe each other out so they've got to get to a point where they say and you've got to imagine the lawyers fees would have a series of zeros and commas and you know you'd want to be thinking actually we should spend that money somewhere else
1: and all those microsoft lawyers are probably being really sad now
2: <laughs> well they did say at the end that they're agreeing they're going to pay their own legal costs so the lawyers will still get paid
0: yes oh, they always get paid um now I had to I had to laugh when I heard um, a bit of news come through last week that um, a um, a former Google employee was online in Google's domain services where you can go and buy domain names and so on. Just for kicks, he decided just to search for Google dot com and its availability. And it actually said it was available. So uh, he clicked and spent $12 on acquiring uh, Google.com. Yeah. That was
1: just <laughs> excellent.
2: When I saw the headline, I was like, oh, Paul's left a B off the end. Because I was like, you know, someone bought the Google.com domain for $12 billion or something. No, no, $12.
1: It's <laughs> 12. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. But only for a minute or so. Then he got mm. refunded. Mm.
0: Yeah, yes. but it's kind of curious. So, I mean, um, Mark, um, you sort of read into this. There was some. He, he started getting some spurring so, email so alerts. He was able to sort of see access to from, the domain. From what
1: I understand, once he bought the domain and the domain was transferred to him inside the Google Console, he had full access to like the DNS records, uh, certificates, and I think um, like the kind of things that you don't necessarily want the public to have access to. Or, and so he had full control over everything google he
0: must have felt very powerful (laughs) for for, for just a minute i wonder what was going through his mind for those for those seconds until i'm going um, to jail google (laughs) pulled back the domain name and i wonder what actually happened behind the scenes there what alarms went off how did how did it move and then move back so quickly well
1: i'm assuming you they would have got the zone transfers and all the kind of the domain transfer notifications so people who are looking at the dns admin lists would have seen hey all of our domains have just kind of moved um
0: panic yeah i think i think <laughs> abort a, abort because it was, and were they legally allowed to take it back because they
2: had sold it. it wasn't it wasn't theirs any longer that's the question right? i've got because yeah. i know that it was through a google owned domain registrar so i don't mm. know how many how many of the listeners out there have registered their own domains but the fact that google owns the ability for you to go and register these other domains, something.com or whatever. Mm. Like The fact that that's what they were using, you've got to wonder whether they were using some sort of you know, Google super privileges to be able to get in there and say, well, it was done through our domain registrar so we can then bring it back, thank you very much. But if the transaction's gone through because they said refunded. That it's not that they said that they you know, didn't take the money. So as money was paid, they later on refunded it and took the domain back. But you've got to wonder if, his, if the legal ownership of the domain shifted.
0: And, well, in, and in in some
2: countries th- where a transaction's taken place, that's
0: acceptance that's of, contract, of, yeah. of that that's a I, contract. So you you I know you don't
1: think you ever actually legally own a domain. You might have a license to use that Fair domain. Point,
2: yeah. So so okay, so he was legally registered registered as the registered owner, even though he doesn't own it. So well, the you know, registrant. He, yeah, the registrant. And yeah. then, you have know, the tech contact and the billing contact.
1: I think and I, I don't know too much about the internals of genius, but I think in some of those s- systems, there is that grace period of a, a few minutes for those transactions to move across move across, and then be reverted. If yeah. it was a inadvertent, this shouldn't have been done. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I've, I've well, definitely... Definitely shouldn't have been done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was... I don't know what their first clue was, but yeah, it shouldn't have been <laughs> done. I think that you can... I, I definitely have seen that. I bought and sold a few domains in my time, and you can... You can make mistakes, but not so much with, I think, the transfer. So whether it's the UDAI key I, or whatever. I think
1: they were only successful in doing that because it was purely within the same right. Google DNS right. you wouldn't normally, You wouldn't normally be able to do that. No. But I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> no, if, if, this gone, hap- if this had happened to you guys, you
0: know, what would you have done? What would you have put up? Like, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, when everyone goes to, you know, Google, and instead of that coming up, what could I put on on my site for the world to see instead of google yeah. what what funny video would it be or yeah. what statement would you come up with if you realized you had control and you were able to put up an alternative page you have to be really careful
1: dns takes too long to
0: re- to propagate
1: to propagate so i wouldn't actually you probably get anything done but yeah but if it, if it, had it taken
2: it, them a
0: day you know it, it, yeah. presuming you got to hold on to it for a day not yeah. a, not a minute and there was some reason that you were able to hold on to it for a day what would you have done with it mark Probably just to redirect
1: my own name. So every Google search is just me. You're <laughs> me. Mark is the internet. That's brilliant. I think okay, go, I like it. I'll, I'll th- get my my Google hits. I'll be so popular.
2: But see, that's the thing. Wherever you pointed Google.com to, that domain, that website would melt because you'd be putting, it would be the most ultimate, It would be the most amazing <laughs> denial of service because you'd just have millions and millions of people every second hitting Google.com. The ultimate botnet. <laughs>
0: So there must be some way to monetize that. <laughs> That's
2: what, I like I like your business acumen there Paul.
0: So using So Google okay, let's flip, words. let's flip this around uh, James mm. so asb.co.nz somebody accidentally just managed to acquire that. Just imagine right. that. Right. What what do you think they might do in that case? that would uh, that, be pretty scary wouldn't it would, if, if somebody with um you know nefarious purposes obtained that and uh started collecting usernames and passwords yeah and,
2: i i would i' be know. pretty confident to say that i think our um our security guys and our domain control guys could probably give google a little bit of a lesson on keeping uh, <laughs> Domain keys. Oh, no, uh, restricted nice. Restricted yeah. and held back because I'm <laughs> trying to foresee how that could happen. You'd have to open up well, your own service selling domain names. Which, <laughs> yeah, which as a tech company, that hey, could
0: could be within the field of uh, You like know it, of yeah. what ASB might might do uh, <laughs> well, in, in not, the future. Let's
1: not bring up the .dot bank domain names story again. Right. That's that's bad history in New Zealand internet. Right. Are you going to fill us in on that? Uh, no, it's just the whole of the banks tried to get the top level domain .dot bank dot nz Dot bank, yeah. Uh, N- yeah. Numerous times, it always failed, and yeah. then a whole bunch of people on IRC got together and we registered .mari.nz. Yeah. All right. Or .geek.nz. Or, .geek.nz. or .geek.nz. So dot I g-nz. do have a
0: question yeah. because we've talked about this on the podcast. Now we're talking domain names. And um, when New Zealand moved to offering this sort of shorter domain name, so you, you know, I think .nz, ASB yeah. has ASB.nz, um, I raised the point that our New Zealand banks, although they owned those shorter names, Weren't redirecting them to the main site or anything else. It just goes nowhere. ASB.nz. Last time I checked, I'm going to check again because you guys might have you might have been listening in because I know you do listen in, James. I so, do. Um, so I don't know whether you caught that episode and um, whether you fixed that. I'm just, I'm just going. I'm just going in and having a look. Yeah, or there might, might be some other behind the scenes reason, and I could I could come up with a list yeah. of, of why you yeah. why you might not do that. But I think it'd be nice if everyone started using those shorter names if you, if you own them, right. Yeah. I was I mean, just
1: going to say that if someone had registered asb.nz.co.nz mm. and taken that away, they would also have to have a complete clone of the website, a complete webmail type or banking login yeah. for people to put, fakely put in their credit details, that's taking even a lot more stuff than just accidentally getting the domain name you've got to Mm, have mm. all of that fake phishing website and 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 certificates and things like that as well yeah and if they've got your certificates well then yeah it was internal yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. so yeah I've just browsed to asb.nz yeah. And um well I haven't browsed there cuz um it's it's not it's not getting me anywhere but It's a good uh,
2: question I'll add it to the many feature requests that I've got from Paul since my time is on Yeah, yeah sorry I'm sorry about back, that James. Sorry. I'm going back to the office this is uh, this is James's tech support line. Thanks caller. <laughs> uh Yeah no so I I know for example like asbbank.co.nz we've got a number of other domains so they mm. do redirect to asb.co.nz. Yeah well um, that's
0: what I've seen before so that was why I was um well, I was surprised. So, I'm just checking ASBbank.nz bank dot nz for you now. Well, thank you. Yeah, just thank be you. part of the, uh, the, the the testing team. But it was interesting um, when, it, when the nz had the same challenge
2: when the dot nz um, shortening. You know, when it when it came down again, you're you're, you're left going, gosh, how, how many how many more domains now do you need to then register and and ensure that you have and and I even get the same thing from friends and family who. Um, you know, over the years, I've set them up their own domain to use for their email, and then redirecting wherever behind it to what made the most sense. And they're saying to me, "Look, do I need to get this .nz thing and you know versus .co.nz or .net.nz?" And and you, you, you are left with for the I guess for the average person on the street, it's as it's starting to take off .nz. I mean, you are seeing more and more of it being used, and it is nicer, it's shorter in some some ways. Um, but how many more domains do you now need to buy because .nz's opened up? You know, lots, and it
0: just gives more money to Internet .nz to do lots of great things. Lots for of us, great things. Yes, yes. Got to um, get them
2: all. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I mean, it, it helped me because I hadn't been able to get my name, and so now you know I can. I've got my you know for personal email. I've got paul at spain .nz because whoever had spain.co.nz didn't uh, didn't get around to getting the um, the NZ and I know if, you know a few other people that have been able to do the same. Because when it's a, a personal domain, do you really need to have all of them? Right? Maybe not as much as if you are a business where you want to protect your IP and what so on.
1: Kind of geek are you? <laughs> of course, you do.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, Mark. I've let the side down. I've let the side down. Um, okay. All right.
1: Now there were a few other
0: um, there were a few other topics to uh, to chat through. A little bit of an announcement uh, last week from Google: some Android M. Uh, Marshmallow or something
1: landing on some, um, some shiny new devices. Some shiny new devices, indeed. I've got the, the Nexus 6P in my hands.
0: Yes, yeah, so we've fortunately um, found that the nice folks at Huawei here in New Zealand have two prototypes of the, uh, the new Nexus uh, 6P. Haven't heard anything from LG and what they've got on the 5X, which is the other... Uh, handset announced last week, but Huawei were nice enough to um, let us borrow one for a, a few moments in time, and um, we'll actually, yeah, they've somehow got stuck with none for themselves at the moment uh, due to a bit of a courier mix-up. Um, so we own all of the um, the six P's in the country, um, <laughs> all
1: one of them, and none of them uh, are so, available on trade. Meetings. So there
0: were there yeah. were two, and one of them s- stuck somewhere on a courier between here and Huawei, and the other one's been uh, was. Hand delivered, so very kind of them. And we've been having a little bit of a play around with this one, um, Mark. What are your impressions? What do you What do you like? I mean, we're dealing with a prototype, so there are some aspects of it. Sort of visually, it's not you know not quite final, and, and software wise, um, yeah, no doubt there'll be a few Four. tweaks with the final version when it launches in a, in a few weeks time.
1: When I first saw the the artist renderings, kind of stuff, the the camera bit at the back, where it's kind of like got the big very in-your-face black bar where the the camera lenses looked like it was going to be sticking out reasonably quite chunky it looked really chunky didn't it but in in actuality it's only like about a millimeter or a millimeter and a half kind of thing so it's very kind of subtle
0: it's extremely subtle isn't it i think both of us when we were looking at it and you james as well we were looking at it thinking yeah this it's it's not actually a, a big deal
1: it's still kind of looks out of place against the the white case that we have on this model here but i I believe there's also a glass back and a metal back
0: yeah there's a silver one as the other one which i
1: I, I believe the different backs also control like whether you want fast charging or wireless charging the different features come with the different types of backs i guess Mm. one's more conductive or not or
0: yeah i don't think we've got wireless charging at this at this stage
1: no no but it looks like a really nice device. It's for being a really large phone. It's nice to feel in the hand. It's not too heavy. Uh, the having the the thumb fingerprint scanner actually in the middle of the back is kind of handy. Well,
0: we've got used to having you know a level of control there from the LG handsets, so the LG G three and, and G four and so on. That's that just something that we got used to, and, it, and it's a good place to um, to put some control. I, I haven't checked to see whether they've got the. The scrolling and so on with that as well Whether you can use it for other things Rather than just the fingerprint uh, reader Which you can on um, uh, um, some of the
1: other Huawei handsets I don't see Huawei why you handsets. wouldn't be able to yeah. I mean it definitely It seems like being a good place Rather than like on the iPhone or the the Samsung Where it's kind of at the front Where you've got to kind of position your thumb And not drop the phone Where you've got kind of a weird balance This is kind of nice to hold in the hand And just actually have that gripped
0: so the question is, because um, it, it is a really nice, capable uh, handset. It's um, Nexus from from Google, which means it's just you know the vanilla operating system without all sorts of hacks and, and mods and UI sort of tweaks that we you know we get used to for you know just about every Android phone that that comes out, unless it's Nexus uh, labeled. So from that perspective, it's nice access to updates, you know, very quickly. Generally, being a Nexus handset. Pretty high end in terms of the um, the feature set. You know that high definition display. I think it's fourteen forty by twenty five sixty pixels. Uh, you've got the nice fingerprint reader, which is tend to you know be be very much only the higher end handsets. Um, the the bigger display and um, pretty impressive uh, camera overall with you know four K video. Uh, I think they were saying two hundred and forty uh, frames per second video that you can capture for going into an ultra slow, what's the word I'm looking for Super there, slow motion. Super slow motion yes, yes. Uh, obviously that won't be at be a 4K but um, the resolution tends to come down when you do that um, you know 12 megapixel camera and the, the front facing one at 8 megapixel so you know, really mm. a, a quite a capable uh, handset, feels and looks really good um, but Starting at a price here in New Zealand for the 32 gig model of eleven hundred dollars, stepping up from there twelve hundred for the um, 64 gig and thirteen uh, fifty or thirteen forty nine for the one twenty eight gig. Um, so you know it's getting up there in in terms of its price, but in terms of a uh, a handset with one hundred twenty eight gigs worth of storage, and we look at the capabilities, um, is that a, is that a problem at all? There aren't many Android handsets at that sort of price level, yeah. but there, there's not really much else also that has this level of capability.
1: I think the the Xperias were kind of getting up to that level, just around the 1,000 level, when they first came out, like when the Z2s and the Z3s and all they came out. But I'm not sure what the pricing of the the new Z5 is, whether that's comparable.
0: I mean, with the exchange rates, we've seen that you know those prices bumping up. For instance, you know the iPhone six you know, starting at um, you know only about hundred dollars uh, more, so that's at the twelve hundred dollar point, uh, you know we're certainly seeing a lot of phones at this type of price point. But you know, generally that's been an Apple or a Samsung. Um, certainly, you know, there's, there's been a, a few others from HTC and, and Sony as well. But the first time we've seen Huawei come in, you know, right at the the um, you know the higher end of the price points. But, but it's
1: the first time that Nexus yeah has been a well, high that's end true. Phone. Yeah,
0: because yeah, usually the Nexus handsets were. A big part of them, they were a real sort of value proposition,
2: right? Yeah. The
1: developer kind of phones, which this is not a developer phone.
2: No, I mean, it has, it definitely has a premium feel to it, and it's trying to aim for a premium end of the market. I think that in doing that, um, like, you know, looking through the features, and was, oh that's, oh, that's quite nice, oh, that works quite well, and um, some of the notifications and some of the stuff that's Marshmallow and some of the stuff that's actually more the hardware on the device – which means it, it has to have those things because of the arena it's entered into. Because when you are talking and you say, Paul, you know, $100 here, a couple hundred dollars between that and an iPhone or some of the other premium players from the Android space, that's where customers are going to go. They're going to say, well, I expect certain performance, I expect a certain look, a certain finish, um, a certain appeal to it. Um, and I wonder how much of the user base is actually looking for that kind of offering in this space. Like we, it's, it's associated with iPhone, it's associated with the, the Apple um um ecosystem but when i think about friends and family that i have that are um, android users they've more gone because it has been a cheaper alternative for still a very capable platform so when you start playing premium and going toe-to-toe that's where the refinement starts coming into it and to, to the point that you were saying mark you know it actually does look very it's a very nice you know looking phone it doesn't have that um you don't look at it and go well i wouldn't compare it and contrast it with an iphone it's interesting
0: because you know, Google, yeah, you because know, this carries the the Google uh, name, Google Nexus. Um, obviously, you know we've got the five X from LG and and this one with the six P uh, from Huawei. Um, so their names associated with it too. But in the past, when Google have had sort of really high end products, they often haven't sold very well. You know, I'm thinking the Chromebook Pixel. Um, yeah, you know, really nice piece of of kit from from all accounts, um, but not for a
1: web browser. For, but
0: but uh, but <laughs> not very good you know, yeah, but not something that's sold a lot. Now, this in terms of capability, I think is giving you know very good bang for buck. But it is still at that uh, you know sharper end where there maybe isn't as big a customer base. But you know, it's probably good for for all concerned that they are competing at the. At the top end, because there are lots of cheaper Android handsets, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And this is USB-C, I believe?
0: It is, yep. It's great to finally start seeing a few more USB-C um, things floating around, and it's got the, uh, the, the associated very, very buy- fast
1: charging. You just now need to buy some USB-C cables and chargers. Well,
0: they've and- been available for quite some time, and we've had varying ones sort of um, sitting here around the office, you know, mostly waiting for new USB-C uh, devices. But now that we're starting to see those devices, these cables will become, you know, very, very low cost in the same way that, uh, you know, micro USB and so on, yeah. you know, has been in the past, which is, is quite nice. And I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of a standard uh, like this. It's very accessible. And I guess what to the, on the flip side, the frustration we've had uh, maybe with the the, the lightning, yeah. uh, you know, cables being a, a you know, proprietary and so on. As long as the quality stays good, then it's kind of I was nice. just more
1: thinking it's something to actually to know before you buy the device, go, oh, I bought the new Nexus, get home, none of my cables work. Oh, ah, yeah. go back, get more cables.
0: Yeah, yeah well, on that front, it's a good point, but this has a really big battery, so 3,450 milliamp hour battery. Um, that's so that's big. that's right up at the top end of... Of what's available, it has got a bigger screen and so on. I'm curious to see how the battery life in this will go, but you know, comparing it, for instance, if I compare the um, iPhone 6s and the 6s Plus, that bigger battery in the 6s Plus about 50% or or more uh, bigger than what's in the the 6s, and it was similar with 6 6 Plus. Yeah, this is that similar thing where you've got the really decent battery, uh, and I, you know, I think most people will easily be able to get through a day on this battery whereas with some of the smaller phones that don't have so much battery that's that's a challenge
1: i wonder if the bigger battery is also if you've got 4k video recording Mm. that's going to take some considerable juice to actually do 4k video recording for more than 30 seconds to a minute or whatever. I guess if you're
0: trying to shoot a movie on it, which we've heard of people (laughs) doing the iPhone recently, right? If you're trying to shoot a feature film, you're probably going to need some sort of spare battery uh, to to keep it going. Even
1: if you're just filming your kids in in, in nice 4K quality, that's just going to start chewing that battery that you go, oh, it's great. It's a really nice new big battery with a bigger display, 4K recording. You might not necessarily see the benefit. You might be able to do more but it's kind of relative.
2: With But with the Nexus line in particular, by having that stock standard vanilla um, Android without having... Um, I, I, wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to say bloatware, but um, you know, <laughs> without having all the extra additions added to it, um, Google has more control. And so you would expect to see that the, the optimization and the refinement of a premium product starting to come into that mix. That being said, it's the same thing. You know, you're you seeing octa-core, you know, eight cores inside of, a, um, inside of the, the brains of the phone, um, and that requires more power and so on. So this constant evolution, it's like every time you see, oh, great, the next phone, bigger battery, is going to last longer. Well, no, because we've you know, quadrupled the resolution of the screen and added more features that chew that power up.
1: Whereas some, some people say specifically about Samsung, fix your memory leaks then you wouldn't need four gigs of RAM because I think the iPhone's only got one gig and it seems to be fine
2: and that's what I mean around that refinement that, yeah. that, that focus on trying to get the experience really really humming yeah, yeah that
0: has changed with the with the um,
2: the latest iPhones um,
0: okay now jumping jumping into another topic that I found quite uh, fascinating is and we've heard about this before you know Facebook talking about um uh Getting internet into um, Africa via satellite, and this has now become a, a little bit more uh, formal. So we're reading that they've they've um, um, yeah made it clear that they are going to be pushing uh, free internet connectivity uh, into what is it fourteen um, countries, the most densely populated uh, parts of uh, sub-Saharan Africa now. You know, with them, you know, being involved in this, obviously, they've got their own reasons for uh, for pushing out internet. It's not all uh, just a, a charitable enterprise. But um, this is, I think, you know, this is something that, that we need is to make sure that internet access becomes uh, much more broad from a you know perspective of helping to uh, you know bring bring people in developing uh, parts of the world onto a more level playing field. Um, what are your thoughts on this, James?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting when you look at the internet connectivity challenge and making the internet truly ubiquitous. There are, you know, people who are fans of um, the internet, which I would say is most people, and then there are people who have got problems with aspects of the internet. But I think, regardless of which camp you sit in on that that um, that spectrum, the the Ability for the internet to connect people, to connect people to businesses, to connect people to each other, and particularly when you think about—and I know we don't—you don't—you know—you're not supposed to say third world and those kind of—you know—that sort of structure anymore. Mm. But and some of the challenges that that, that we're looking at um, at the bank is you know as as money gets less and less tangible. Well, that the reason partly for that is because of the internet. So if economies are moving into a digital world and whole countries, um, people are below. Um, the internet access poverty line then i think that it's going to take private enterprise like facebook and others who of course benefit from having more people online advertisers and eyeballs and whatnot but i think that if that's the cost that we have to pay um then it's probably worth it because it's otherwise you're going to be waiting for a lot longer for those countries to get online and then for take part of the benefits that can come from from being connected
0: Yep, that makes some sense. Mark, have, have you, is this something that interests
1: you? Have you spent much time in Africa yourself? Not particularly, no. no. No? No. I don't see myself going to Africa anytime soon either. So, And if if I was in Africa, I think updating Facebook might not be <laughs> on my priority list
2: but it's access to more than just facebook right the Mm. the internet.org stuff Mm -hmm. and and trying to give access to i think more and more knowledge and knowledge is power and all those kind of um maxims coming come into come into effect but it is the, it is the oh i don't know the facebook paying for it kind of thing
1: being able to back up my photos from from say going on safari and taking photos having access to that kind of stuff would be really awesome and probably even helping i can imagine
0: if you were if you Do were off sort of, if you were off shooting um, shooting wild wild animals you'd want to share those on Facebook wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you Oh hold on uh, yeah, maybe not There are a few people that have uh, yeah done that sort of stuff
1: but you know shooting with a, with a camera I'd be shooting African musicians Yeah <laughs> just but if you, if you think but,
2: about even think about knowledge transfer So if I think about I mean it's, it's uh, nowhere near the same level But I think about how often I turn to YouTube. To, to see a video of something, which is a, a richer way of how something is is being is, is being done, um, rather than reading a, a instruction set, you know, using that for information around how to clean water supplies or dig a well or how to you know things that are, that may be more particularly relevant in that area, or enabling small start the startup kind of economy to flourish and organize in, in countries where it could be a boost to the economy. I think those things are good.
1: Even not thinking of the business opportunity just being able to give like if you've got say cheap tablets that you can take her into the villages and stuff have and i guess because of the facebook connection having your local facebook for village one village yeah. two and three and actually having communication yeah and actually just giving them communication skills around their own population let alone having education from the internet from business opportunities yeah just being able to talk to their neighbours, yeah, connect the communities together. Yeah. very mm.
2: powerful. Just take a few um, six packs of fire tablets down and uh, and give them some Facebook internet, and they're away laughing.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think there, there <laughs> could be. We could go on for hours on this one because they're, there there are you know, so much that uh, you know bring the internet into communities can 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 do from an educational perspective and you know commerce perspective and communications and so on. I think it's pretty exciting. Um, but we've got to keep moving. Uh, next up, we've just heard today that the government have lifted the target speeds for rural uh, broadband um, as they're, they're trying to encourage uh, more investment in the internet communication technology um, area. And that new um, benchmark that they're, they're sort of setting is that the broadband connectivity in rural New Zealand should reach 50 megabits per second. For ninety nine percent of New Zealanders by twenty twenty five. Now it sounds a long way out, but I think it's you know it's pleasing to see that the government or at least you know are, are getting you know are, are continuing to push these things along. Obviously, we you know we had the initial uh, ultra fast broadband announcement to reach uh, what was it seventy five percent of the population with ultra fast broadband. They've now you know bumped that to eighty percent at those top speeds, which is. It's going to cover a lot of small towns and uh, and so on across New Zealand, I and mean, then this will fill in the majority of the rest of the gap. Still a way out, but um, yeah. What what do you think about this one?
2: I mean, it's it's again, it's probably a more local version of the of the previous story. I mean, if if you believe that ultimately, taking all and taking everything into consideration, that access to the internet is a good thing or something that can enable more good than bad then getting better and faster access to the internet to more and more New Zealanders becomes an equalising force. It means that they also afforded the same opportunity that the, of, for those of us that live in, in, in larger cities. So to see the government making that target and lifting that, 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 uh, that target up to the sort of 50 meg, I, I, do, I do half wonder by 2025 will we think 50 meg is... You know what we think of uh, you 50 know. meg oh yeah.
1: man it's taking ages yeah 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 getting my 25k videos <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> well i
0: guess <laughs> if that's the baseline well you know what Above what we'll i would honest, see yeah. is we, we, you know we're going to be looking at um you know one two hundred you know one to two hundred meg being you know pretty common in those areas they've also set a baseline for the remaining one percent uh, of new zealand of of 10 megabits per second right which you know when you look at it in rural areas at the moment there there are there are you know lots that don't get even that ten uh, 10 megabits of that's sort of a baseline for those areas uh, yes it would be frustrating to be in that you know in that one percent but there's a world of difference between what some of them get now and and those figures and of course some of this stuff would come naturally but by by actually putting some um, some clear lines around it. Yeah, there's going to be more investment to get to these points isn't and, it?
2: And it connects also I think at those minimum standards you're starting to get access, to, you're moving to that next tier so you're talking about whether it's streaming video or whether it's um, streaming video communications and Skype and things like that, um, you're moving into that next tier of what the the base level would be capable of achieving. Now, by 2025, what have we got? Virtual reality and holograms and who knows what else. That may be requiring much higher. Flying cars. Flying, flying cars. cars flying well, we've got oh, flying skateboards. They're almost there. <laughs> so I think if you can get, if you can get that, that minimum base up, then you can also then as a country start realising the transformation that, that we need to go through as a country into being more a matter of ideas and innovation and things that are maybe beyond some of our traditional um, pastures, um, that that... You're not restricted to. You have to live in a city in order to access those those opportunities.
1: I guess the only thing to consider there is, as well as, whilst we improve those pr- speeds, how's the price going to change, and how's that going to actually be affordable or not affordable? That's a good point.
2: It is a good point. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. Well, well by we by, by then, must, if we look at the Facebook
0: model, m- you know, maybe, maybe internet is is virtually free. I mean, the fact that. That a um, you know a company like Facebook could look at delivering the internet free to masses of of, of people, um, you know suggest it's something where you know we've got we've got that sort of lowering lid type thing where you know the prices are just going to keep coming coming down and down. I don't but know. if you, know. you
1: have ads in your browser,
0: yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Or oh, we'll we- just stop for a quick ad break. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or- I mean you could say well are they doing it as a philanthropist and say we actually want to give education and internet to Africa or we want to we still well, going to charge the advertisers for
0: right? Yeah I mean I I would you know I would I would certainly like to think that a that a business like Facebook you know some of the key people like Zuckerberg um you know who's invested in education in the past would would get that but you know also they've got shareholders and so on so I'm sure there is a very large aspect of it that is going to help them, but yeah, you know, James is saying if there's a good flow on, that's um, that's cool. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit, James, while you're here, because mm. we don't get this chance very often. Um, but but maybe we've been nice enough to you. We'll see at the end. Uh, maybe you, maybe you'll come back again. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but uh, but while you're here, I'm I'm quite keen for you to you know fill us in a little bit on some of the things that uh, that ASB's uh, doing. You and I have caught up um, a little while ago, and you know it was quite uh, fascinating to sort of. Uh, you know chat through and get a little bit of a picture Mm. on where you are and I've spent time with some of the other banks as well and you know it really seems as though I guess you know the sort of businesses that we've often seen as being very traditional uh, really get technology a lot more than we might you know often realize from the outside um and you know ASB you know I think technology's been a big focus for you for you know for for a long time sure and i know you talk about real time banking since 19
2: real time since 69 there, the... there we go there we go so um that yeah so so, so 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 yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, fill us in. you know, recently you launched this uh, uh clever cash digital money box, which yes. you've uh, shown us there. And uh you know those in uh yeah, you know, particularly in Auckland, but I guess ASBs has been around the country now for a, a fairly long time yes. uh, might remember the uh the cash in um uh, money box, mm. um, elephant, and so on, and uh, now you've kind of got a, a new modernised digital version of that. So let, let's hear about that.
2: Yeah, well, so I mean, as I sort of did at the intro, you know, we're increasingly trying to think about ourselves as being more than just a bank. So we we take being a bank very seriously, but we're in, we're realising that that we are. Really, a tech company um, because money is becoming increasingly digital, um, and we're a tech company that is licensed and trusted to provide financial services. And so we say that say it that way because the license that we have from a regulation point of view, and also the trust that we've built up in the community for you know well over 167, and, and I think it is years, um, is something that we, that we don't take lightly. And um, we don't you know we don't sell you know loans. We don't sell we, we you know you, you buy a home and we help you do it. You know, you start a business and we help you do it. So with that kind of mantra, then we're trying to take that in from a tech point of view and say, so how do successful tech companies approach things? And it's actually not so much about the tech. It's more a matter of the mindsets. It's the entrepreneurial idea. It's the person sitting next to me changed the world yesterday, so I should try and change the world today. It's, it's that kind of thing. So we're really Im- trying to embed that in our culture and embrace things, whether it's really techy stuff like APIs and whatnot, as well as the mainstream stuff like apps all the time. And then when it came to with with Clever Cash, um, what we did there is when you look at innovation, innovation is really about solving problems. And it's trying to create new things but also trying to change what's established. And what we were looking at was you can solve the problems of the bank or you can solve a superset of those problems, which is the customer problems, or you can actually solve the biggest problems, which is society's problems. And we started thinking about this problem that society seems to be having with the growing intangibility of money I, I don't have any cash on me i never have cash on me and as money becomes increasingly intangible by being more digital that surfaces as a number of customer problems and the one which we focused on in particular was teaching your kids to save money like i have i've got three uh, three young kids and trying to teach them hey it's really important that you save this thing that you can't see <laughs> that you can't touch that you can't uh, you can't feel is um is a challenge and that surfaces again in a number of other customer symptoms, things like paying pocket money. So we sort of looked at that and said, well, how would a tech company solve that problem? And um, what we came up with was was Clever Cash. So for anyone who hasn't seen uh, the video, um, we announced a, a few weeks ago now, um, we've shown our our, uh, our beta to the market as a tech company would. And it's a um, it's a cashless money box. So.
0: Yeah, it's quite cool. So you've got, you've got your little uh, yellow elephant there um, with a... Nice. Um, looks like a, t- a Telly Tubby uh, type um, <laughs> TV in its tummy. Um, TV in its tummy. Yeah. But with the yeah, the cute, cute little elephant, and um, well, up on the screen, we, we see how much money is in the. Yeah. Um, I guess in, in the in the virtual. Um, um, well, can we call it a piggy bank? Well, no, it's it it re-
2: so it reflects the balance that's been pushed down to it from the child's account. And the whole thing we tried to connect into was that making the money, uh, paying pocket money, making that a tangible experience again. So, so the idea is that you sit down with your child and you've you got to transfer money into their account for their pocket money because you never have cash on you. And you're trying to reinforce good behaviors. You're going to pay your pocket money each week and you're going to save and so on. And so you sit down, and, and you've got no money, but you can transfer money into their account, and then sit down with your phone and say, "Okay, now let's let's swipe the money up off the phone, and then sync it into your Clever Cash." And so the the ceremony, and um, we've got the YouTube video and things that sort of shows how it works, but um, it's designed to be very tangible. You know, you're, you're connecting your finger onto the coin, and you're taking it off the end, and then Clever Cash updates with the balance on its on its uh, on its belly, on its tummy, on the TV that's in the and the tummy there and makes sounds and sort of reacts and so we're really trying to connect in and make it as tangible as we can rather than just moving you know bits from one column to another column sitting mm. in a so <laughs> so
0: um, I mean it's a completely different question um, but I'm thinking back to my my childhood and um, maybe one day I'll, I'll tell the story of the the serious social faux pas um, that I entered into around a discussion about money when I was probably aged four um <laughs> Yeah, um, it's too embarrassing to tell tell today. He's turning but, red. Um, He's turning red, listeners. I, I mean, just the, the, just the thought of it. Uh, it's you know one of those childhood memories that you just you never forget, and it's um, it, it's etched in I will I will tell listeners one day maybe. So tune into um, to anyway, podcast w- w- night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what a what age do you think that people should be starting to teach their uh, their their kids around uh, you know these sorts of financial matters.
2: So we're, we're finding, so we've done some obviously some research, talking to customers, and again, thinking like a tech company, that's what we're trying to do with Clever Cash as well, is rather than coming out and saying, here's the finished product, it's all done and dusted, instead we're saying, here's where we're, we're, we're very, very close, and now what we'd like to do is refine it with you and see, okay, for example, is, is four years old, five years old, is that what you're sort of thinking? I mean, is it going up to how, how, how long before the form factor? And I do think he's cute. But I mean how how long before is it twelve or thirteen or fourteen and they're saying it's not so not so cool. And even in that experience it's been really I mean, we've really enjoyed working with, you know, our partners. Obviously we've worked with Saatchi and Sachi and, and um, some other partners like Four Design and then internally using our own marketing team and my my Innovation Lab team, it's been great to actually Talk to customers and get some of this feedback, and, and even talking amongst staff. You know, we all teach; we've all got different stories from childhood <laughs> about money, um, and we teach our kids. It seems at different ages and stages. So, I'm I'm trying to teach um, my my eldest too. Uh, we started trying to, in fact, my eldest. We tried doing pocket money when he was about five, mm. about about four four to five. And we just found it was so hard to reinforce because you just never had the cash. So we're hoping that when with uh, when we get clever caches, then we can reinforce it and then start it with my youngest, who's now four, and probably starting at about that age, but well, they start realizing there's something going on. There's, mm. but it's you know they don't understand. You know, every, I think every parent's had, or well, maybe not every parent, most parents will have had the. Um, you know, child says, Dad, can you buy that thing? And you go, no, I don't have any money. And they say, well, just use your card, you know, just and that's their connection with, with money. So it's, I, I think the younger the better, but I think it's an individual parenting choice, Paul.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I guess there's certain things you need to... Um, establish,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I could probably still do it do with one of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have had that. I mean, a lot of the feedback we've had um, since we since we launched it has been from, uh, people asking is there an age limit on this uh you know i'd, I'd love to get it for oh, yeah for my kids yeah definitely yeah for my kids um <laughs> but this is this for us is the beginning it's not the end it's it's a continuation of our mm. tech company journey and what we want to do is do more and more of this kind of thing
1: cool you went you into this well i don't have any children myself but i do have a niece so i was thinking and she's turning five soon so i was actually thinking that would be kind of cool yeah mm. a nice mm. christmas present yeah yeah, yeah.
0: So no, I think it's um, it's very curious. And uh, thinking of those uh, social faux pas, there's probably a few of them over, over my lifetime. But since since I started with the story, I'm I'm going to tell it. It's it's incredibly embarrassing. This is brilliant. Um, so I had uh, been born in New Zealand, first generation Kiwi grandparents that lived on the other side of the world who I'd never met, and um, somehow I'd learned a little bit about how you know money works as a as a youngster. And uh, also about this um, this thing of you know when people pass away they have a will and money gets handed down and I'd never met the you know never really met these people but. Uh here they are, they visit New Zealand, and I say, oh, so when you guys die, we get all your money.
2: <laughs> oh, no. And I was
0: probably about four years old. Oh, says
2: you're <laughs> and, four years old. If you had been eight or something, <laughs> then I think that would have been a bit of a problem.
0: <laughs> so, you know, um, and their response was, <laughs> and I, all I just remember is that, that particular um, thing, it's just it's stuck in my memory, and I and, you know, um, uh, yeah. So I, I must ask my my parents, um, yeah, about w- what happened and, and how how they dealt with that. But yeah, we got rid of that. it must have been um, it must have been a little <laughs> bit weird. Um, actually, it was around the same time that I had my first experience with um, with the the current the, the the generation of podcasting that was available at the time. And it was more sort of person to person, so uh, we had a reel to reel tape recorder. And because you know I didn't know these people, and it was very expensive in the in the seventies to communicate on the phone, um, you know we would chat I, I can't remember exactly you know what we talked about but uh, we recorded this stuff and set the tapes uh, off and sent the tapes off to the other side of the, uh, the planet we did that. Was, uh, did that we
2: did yeah. that in the 80s sending them over to even just across the ditch to Australia and mm. it's more the equivalent now would be you'd add them to a shared album on iCloud or something and they can just see the videos and photos as they go mm. but I mean so we a lot of and for me as well like I've banked with ASB since I was five years old you're asking in the prep you know you're mm. someone Aucklander so yeah um, but in terms of the involvement with the schools and what's now become what Getwise oh shoot
0: sorry oh. I was looking at something on the screen and it uh, panicked me but uh, we're right we're, we're good we're, 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 we're
2: still okay, okay. sorry <laughs> I looked at the wrong number and I, I thought we'd uh, and hit record Oh, oh we've had this great chat we'll keep going uh, but Getwise which is our, our education in, in schools program and um, and that's where a lot of these kind of habits sort of start forming but so much of that education has to happen at home um, and I don't know whether or not we handle wills and bequests in the uh, Getwise curriculum, Paul. But I'll, I'll look and I'll add that to the list. Yeah, And the
0: the the social things. I mean, probably not a lot of uh, family situations that line up quite with with <laughs> mine. A lesson which uh, hopefully I've uh, I've I've learnt from somewhere along the way. All right. Well, thanks for that uh, therapy session, guys. <laughs> um, it's so good to you know, you know just to, just to have that off my back yeah. now, and uh, you know having having you know problem or
2: shared or something or other a, um, what is it yeah. a burden shared is a burden halved yeah. that's
1: all right. we won't tell anyone your secret is safe with us and the internet yeah, yeah. 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 thanks for
2: that Mark yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. you're welcome
0: that's good alright well there's probably a bit more that we we could we could chat about but we're uh, we're about out of time so we might have to save that uh, for the next therapy session sounds good uh, so uh, thank you both for joining me now
1: Mark Derrickett, where do we track you down online uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter with uh, at Talios, T A L I O S. Uh, we're on Google Plus just as uh, Mark Derrickett. For my concert photography, uh, chaliceofblood.net. I love that name. And illegalargument.com for the podcast on Java and software development. Excellent.
2: And James? Well, if people want to follow, follow me, they can... Um, find people me. probably find, know where to find ASP. Uh, d- ASP. <laughs> ASP.co.nz, yeah. And if you want to find out about... Don't, the- don't go to dot .enz. No, no. no. <laughs> until,
1: <laughs> until tomorrow. Maybe until tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Until I get back.
2: <laughs> um, if you want to find out more about Clever Cash, you can you can look up clever CleverCash.com. It's clever spelled clever, and then cash with a K. And I've had a few people ask me about that. And I said, "Look, our job is financial literacy. Okay, so clever cash with a K. dot asb. dot and you can you can uh, see more about clever cash there in the videos and track the progress on our blog as we um, as we get nearer and nearer to um, getting these." fantastic little devices out to our customers
1: so can we actually get them now or
2: no so we're in we're, we're literally in the in the public beta phase now right. so it's great to be able to talk with tech guys and say a public beta and yeah you know what I mean so that's some of our um, some of my colleagues in the like a what with a what now but no we're in the public beta phase now refining and then looking to try and get it out as soon as we can
0: well if you need anybody to test it with
2: I'll um, add you to the list um, you know, put, yeah, yeah.
0: put me in the list and just you know as long as there's plenty of sort of play money to go with it that uh, <laughs> you move it around you know, there that we, we can actually uh, you know get access to then um, you
2: know. no problem and then if people <laughs> want to find me they um, I'm on Twitter at, at James Bergen um, B-E-R-G-I-N and um, I, I, well, I guess you go to jamesbergen.com if you want to sort of see some of the stuff I, I sort of do there cool
0: that's cool. very good well thank you both for uh, for joining the New Zealand Tech podcast this week thank that you was, Paul it was pleasure.
2: fun I've got I've, now. I've got to go back to the office. I've got a long list of things that uh, Paul needs done. Sorted out. Yeah, we didn't manage, we didn't manage to hear
0: any too many of them on the show. So you sort of got off, uh, <laughs> got you off know, pretty, pretty lightly there, oh, okay. James. Oh, no, yeah, that's yeah. good.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm speaking at the API Days conference in two weeks' time. So oh, I've got yes. to go home and write a presentation. Excellent. There's some be
2: people there as well, so good good, good to hear. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, everyone, for listening
0: in. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at Paul Spain. If you want to get in touch um, on email, then you can hit me up. I'm trying to think of which email address. You can actually go to the globalvoicemedia.com. Uh, website. There's a contact form there, and there's also one at uh, com if you're looking for IT services. So uh, those are probably the, the two easiest ways without me spilling off IP uh, IP addresses, email addresses. Yeah, that's us. Hey, thanks everyone. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.